You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. On this episode of Cheesehead Radio, the Packers sit and watch during Wild Card Weekend. As familiar foes come to Lambeau on Saturday, the 49ers match up against the Packers well. But the confidence of the team and their fans is no joke. Four quarters of Packers Talk, right here on Cheesehead Radio. Hello again, Cheesehead Nation. We are 12 years into this experiment called Cheesehead Radio, and we now find ourselves on the precipice of what we hope is a playoff journey to the Super Bowl. As always, our hosts tonight are the animated Kelly Hodson, known as That Packer Girl on Twitter. Also joining us is the spirited Sadie Angeli of Packers Talk, known as Tundra Vision on Twitter. And lastly, little old me, your voice of reason, Jersey Al of Packers Talk and Cheesehead TV. You can find me at Jersey Al GBP on Twitter. Before we get started, we just want to give a sincere thank you to awesome podcast site Feedspot.com, who voted us the third best Packers podcast on the internet. When we started this whole shebang, there probably weren't many more than three such podcasts in existence, but now there's so much competition that this is really an incredible honor. Thanks again to Feedspot.com. That's it for the preliminaries. Let's get this show on the road. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've waited a long we've waited a long time. Long this off season time. for what has come to be known as the last dance. It's been a long 17 games and a long bye week, and finally it is here. Three wins away from a Super Bowl win. It's really, really exciting, but it all starts with our first game. But we couldn't get to the first game. If we didn't get through this wild card weekend, what's some great games? And big question for you. How happy are you with Matt LaFleur instead of Mike McCarthy right now? Exceptional. <laughs> Exceptionally happy. Oh, that's a leading question. Oh, yeah. Was well, it an easy answer? I was I was looking for an easy answer question. You, I think you got your easy answer. Well, af- after watching the fourth quarter of the Cowboys game, I really have no regrets that we have a new head coach. Yeah, it was a comedy of errors. You know, it was Dak Prescott screwing up. It was Mike McCarthy, of course, having no timeouts left. Shocker, I know. But it's not my problem anymore. Yeah, well, it wasn't just McCarthy, but it was his team getting how many penalties? Was it 13, 14, 14 something like that? 14 10,000. And, you know, this was one of the one of the issues I had with him was kind of some of the undisciplined uh play from from his players towards the last couple of years that wasn't the case early on when he was with the Packers but that seemed to be another thing that went that went awry you know in the last few years when he was with Green Bay but and you saw it you know on full display there with the uh, with the Cowboys I think they were six pre-snap penalties I think how can you have six pre-snap penalties in a game I mean that's just and un- they were unfathomable they and were they were at home, home. yes that's the point. It's not like this they, is a road game. It's like you're they, literally in AT&T Stadium. I mean, and they had garbage thrown at them like they were on the road, too. So yeah. let's break let's break this down. Let's break down that last play because, you know, it's it certainly has gotten so much attention. I'm actually going to do a little devil's advocate. I'm going to say that wasn't a terrible call. I'm going to say it wasn't a terrible call for Dak Prescott to take the ball himself and run it straight up the middle. Well, 
Prove me wrong. You have to be good at clock management for that to happen. That was simply not the case. Well, I actually don't disagree that much. Sorry for Sorry for your devil's advocate. Okay, I'm the one that will disagree. It was a stupid play, and I'm glad it wasn't us. Now, it's not what I would do, okay? But it is, if it had been executed properly, it would have got them to where they were looking to get, which was inside the 30 and a chance to throw into the end zone. That's what they wanted. And it would have gotten them there. You know, if not the whole snafu with the referee and the ball and giving it to the center and people claiming that the center can can spot it where he wants, and that's absolutely not the case. The referee has to spot it in the right spot in place. And McCarthy says they actually practiced that, this whole thing, that this wasn't like a, you know, this is something they've done in practice. They timed out. And they thought they had enough time to do it. And they came close. So, you know, is it a typical McCarthyism? Yes. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not going to kill him on this one. As hard as that may be for you guys to believe, I'm not going to kill him. Well, here's the thing. The, the, gosh, the Rams had been playing. Was it the Rams? They're, no. Yeah, it was the Rams. The Rams had been playing a very standard prevent defense against the Cowboys for like three plays prior to that. And the Cowboys had managed to get it out to the sideline and out of bounds like three times in a row. 49ers, that's right. 49ers, thank you. And what they did on that last play is they went, if you looked at it, I mean, they were lining up on the sideline. Exactly, and exactly. The, the, the middle of the field was wide open. Now, yeah, quick pass over the middle, but that takes time. It takes time to go back into the pocket. Hopefully someone gets open across the middle and then that guy's got to, you know, turn around, get up the field, down, whatever. Dak Prescott's an athletic quarterback. And if you put, say, A.J. Dillon and Alan Lazard in front of him, that could end up looking just like Josiah DeGar's touchdown for the Packers two weeks ago. Remember that one that he got from Jordan Love? And, like, <laughs> upfield blockers just knocked a couple of people out of the way, and he just walked, mm-hmm. you know, rumbled into the end zone. Sure. Dak Prescott is a lot more athletic than uh, uh, Josiah DeGara. So, but had Prescott gotten the 10 yards, gone down, like you said, inside the 30, the umpire doesn't have to run as far because he's got to trail the play. He's got to keep everything in front of him. So if I'm a 40, if I'm a 49ers player, yeah, I'm sitting there in the backfield with my arms crossed, keeping the umpire behind me, right? Because the umpire, he's got to keep everything in front of him. So then the ball is dead. Now he runs up, you know, 10, 15 yards to down the ball. Well, he had to run almost 20, 25, 30 yards to get to the ball and they ran out of time. So it's got to be the thing where Prescott is going to be able to have a wide open lane, take it all the way into the end zone or down it after 10 yards. He chose to go 20 yards mm-hmm. and they ran out of time. So it was a great call. Prescott mismanaged. I, I kind of agree. I kind I of agree not, with that. I would not disagree with that. And they were in that position and it just seems so painfully familiar where you have a chance to, to tie or win, and you have no stinking timeouts left. That is something that has driven me nuts about Mike McCarthy for years. It's he burns his timeouts early, and you don't have them when you need them, when you actually need to manage the clock. Well, unfortunately, they used him on a drive where hopefully they were going to score the previous possession, and you know they weren't able to get a first down. So at that point, it's desperation. Mm-hmm. Moving on, a couple of the other teams that won this week... Uh, <laughs> You know, if I got to pick a second favorite team in the NFL, they're starting to put it together, man. Those Buffalo Bills, did they look good? They did. They did. 
on, of all the AFC teams, I think they frighten me the most right now, even more than, say, Kansas City. They just look like they're the complete package right now. But it's one game. It is. Yeah, but they were it's pretty stout. I, I know. I understand. But it was one game. They remind me a lot of the 95 Green Bay Packers. On the cusp and not quite there yet. On is that the what you're cusp. Saying? They're there, but you know, and then they're going to go play a, a a prime team. And remember, we were ahead of Dallas in '95 in that championship game, and they came back in the second half. That's kind of where I see: can they hang on, you know, against some of these great teams like the Chiefs or the Titans, you know? And if they can get past them, then they'll go to the Super Bowl. You know, they got an exciting quarterback, a good defense. They and and I'm sorry, I'm going to love any team that has cold weather fans that are going to sit by their team for 30 years <laughs> that constantly lose. I don't know. For some reason, I identify with that. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, other winners uh, this weekend, the Rams Look also good. looked pretty amazing. And of course, yeah, Tom Brady and the Bucks. Can we just say that the, NF- the NFC East should not send anybody to the playoffs? Come on. They are such the JV League right now. It's like uh, the last- Eagles didn't even bother to show up. <laughs> Now, mind you, I think we predicted the NFC games uh, last week, and one of us picked every game correctly. I'm trying to remember who that was. I think it was me. Nope. Try again. <laughs> you had another choice. I'm trying to remember was, who that was. Just, no, it was wait. not Kelly either. Um, uh, it must have been our guest that week. I'm sure. It was, Ray, it was John Rayhor. <laughs> John Rayhor came on just to <laughs> pick them all right. <laughs> oh, wait. Is this where, you, where CD he does. And, This is where CD gloats, apparently. Oh, you know what? The, the voice of reason and faith in the Packers. Anyway, so great games. And like I said, a lot of drama with Mike McCarthy. A lot of us are kind of waiting to see if uh, he's going to get canned. Doesn't look like he's going to quite yet. My favorite headline was from some guy who writes for the Lions. Oh, my gosh. What? Did you see Did you see the headline? Oh, my gosh. I, I cut it out and I pasted it. It says, Mike McCarthy might be the difference for the Lions going to the Super Bowl. And I'm what? like... Yes! What? No, I'm serious! Like, what? Wait, wait, back, right back up a little bit. I missed something here. Well, I'm yeah, sorry, what? But anyway, no, this writer wrote, uh, Mike McCarthy just might be the last missing link for the Lions to reach the Super Bowl. And then subplot of, McCarthy might get fired from the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm like, what? What are you smoking? Crack. <laughs> like, smoking crack, wow. because... That's um, interesting. <laughs> it's on my go, Tundra Vision Twitter. Go look it up. It's on my timeline. Dear Detroit, he will only disappoint you in the end. <laughs> Actually, he'd be a really good fit in Detroit if you think about it. <laughs> Misery All loves right. company. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, that'll take us to the end of the first quarter. Uh, we'll call it a push, uh, I guess. It's, uh, I guess. We didn't it play, so we didn't so... win or lose. Maybe it was a win because we didn't play at all. So moving on to the second quarter with all of these uh, histrionics and, of course, the 49ers going to Dallas and upsetting them. That means San Francisco 49ers once again are coming to Lambeau Field. And this is who we get to play in our first round of the divisional round of the NFC playoffs. Hopefully we get get it right this time. (laughs) So the title of our show is Old Friends and Old Foes. And of course, Old friends, uh, Matt LaFleur, Mike Shanahan, know each other very well. Uh, interestingly enough, these guys go back, I believe, to their Washington days. Uh, they know each other very well, and the Packers and the 49ers have had quite a history lately. I would be willing to say, and, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, if we had to pick an actual rival, maybe other than Seattle, you know, a team that's 
we've gotten the better of and they've gotten the better of us to the point where we've got this kind of irrational 1990s Dallas Cowboys feel to them when we play them in the playoffs, wouldn't it be the 49ers? Oh, for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, this is rem- Rogers is winless against them in the playoffs. Yeah. And this matchup reminds me a lot of the Mud Bowl matchup of 96. You know, you're in the divisional round, and if you win, you get a ton of momentum heading into the NFC Championship game at home. So, according to Ryan Wood of uh, the Green Bay Press-Gazette, Matt LaFleur uh, comes out and actually says that he anticipated the 49ers might upset the Cowboys. Uh, if you're a skeptic like Jersey Al, you might say, well, you do that with all your possible opponents. But, and plus, you say that after the fact uh, to show yes. respect for your opponent. <laughs> because you look like a genius. Then, exactly. Too. Right. I'm okay with Matt LaFleur looking like a genius. But he actually he said. kind of is. Call yeah. me cynical. <laughs> he actually said in a press conference they had already started prep on the 49ers on the bye week last week before they even knew who they were playing. Uh, but I also think his his other statement is is interesting because he says. There are certain things we know we want to do in every phase. This is clearly a guy who is aware of the history, who's aware of what the 49ers bring to the table and the knowledge each other has. Maybe Matt LaFleur is really putting in a clever game plan to beat a team that, I'll be honest, might be the hottest team in the playoffs right now. Compared to where they were earlier in the season, yeah, the, this is a team that's a little more unpredictable. Granted, there's some unknown variables because of their injuries, um, Bosa is still going through concussion protocol, but I have no doubt that he'll be suited up on Saturday. Jimmy Garoppolo is injured with both a thumb and a shoulder in- injury, and he said he had limited practice today. But you have to anticipate that they're both going to be there. And if they're firing on all four cylinders with healthy healthy uh, players, yeah, they're a really scary foe. Yeah, definitely. But at least they're only a four-cylinder team. Well, yeah. <laughs> a four-cylinder team. <laughs> Hey, I drove a Civic forever, okay? <laughs> oh, I've, I've driven four cylinders uh, for quite some time, too. So yeah. Okay, all I'm eight, all six, it. whatever. You want to go for a beefier car, all eight. Uh, I was just making fun of your inputting the four in there in that phrase. That's all. Moving right along. Yes. Um, some interesting news came out today. Yeah. Before we move on to the second quarter. Defensive lineman Kingsley Kiki, who was he drafted last year or the year before? Uh, this might have been his third year. I yeah, I think I think yeah. it was his third year. Um, has had some reasonable success rotating in along the defensive line when he's been healthy. Uh, was on some COVID protocol going into week 16 and has been a healthy was a healthy scratch. And today he was released. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, a head, that was a head scratcher. No but explanation. I, but I knew that they were going to have to make rosters because they have to activate a couple of our starters. But they're not activating any defensive linemen. Unless right? they're assuming. I like they had to make room at that position. No. I don't, think, I, I don't think it has anything to do with that, with roster, uh, you know, making room on the roster. Something was going on behind the scenes, which is why he didn't suit up or wasn't active last week. And somebody, I read somewhere that uh, Kenny Clark had a long talk with him about something. So I don't know if he's having some kind of personal issues or got involved in something or whatever. Uh, He has had a few concussions. Uh, You know, there's a ton of speculation of what it could be, but um, I don't think it was personally, I don't think it was just to make room for somebody else, but. And I had read a report that someone had put that in quotes that 
the reasons he were out he was out was for personal reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. It was it wasn't an injury. So interesting, you know, like I yeah. said, there's a lot of Packer fans who are saying, Oh, but but we need defensive linemen. We're already thin at this position. No, we're not. And you know what? We're we were thin at wide receiver too, but does that really mean we wanted Antonio Brown looking back on it in retrospect? Yeah, what what I what I first um well before any of this happened <clears throat> And I wrote about this a little bit today. I was actually wondering if Kiki was going to be active for this game just based on the matchups, you know. I mean, his strength is not run defense. You know, his strength is is inside pass rush. You know, he's controllable at the line of scrimmage when teams are running at him. So I don't think he would be the best choice to be in there. So I was thinking previous to all of this that maybe – you know, they might actually not activate him for this game and, and activate, um, what's his name, Abdullah Anderson, uh, who is much more of a bigger, beefier run stopper, uh, you know, just for this game because of the matchup. So I, I, I don't know what else to say about it, but we've, I think we've covered it from all angles, but we just don't know what the real reason is. Is it possible for a team that we're facing in the playoffs to pick him up and play him or at least bring him into their strategy room and let him spill the beans under a bright light about everything the Packers are doing. Is that still a possibility? I mean, if he's released, right, then right. If that's a clear waivers, right. Then he's a free agent and can go wherever he wants. Yeah. But if he wasn't a top tier athlete, you know, how much information does he really have? And I would think the Packers um, coaching staff would be aware that how, what his value would be as yeah, exactly. Yeah. As it, you know, the songbird. Right. Agree. Sorry. I could see the bucks picking him up next week just to bring him in, just to bring him in the locker yeah, room for a week. It's possible. Some, seems like a Tom Brady thing to do. Well, we did it when we signed. I swear to God, that's the only reason we signed Scott Tolzien years ago was, Hey, tell us all about the 49ers. <laughs> Didn't help much. No, he did not. But I think he maybe not not on the field, but he might have had intangible. You know, hey, let's tell tell us all about it. <clears throat> all right. Well, so anyway. old friends and old foes. Uh, the 49ers coming to town. A big game at Lambeau. Uh, our good friend, the mayor, is just handing out tickets left and right. I think he just went on Twitter, said he's got between 40 to 60 Packer tickets through his little network. Uh, making sure that um, Packer tickets stay in the hands of Packers yep. fans, uh, which of course has been a problem as late. Um, it's Especially pretty cool. in the playoffs. Oh my word. Yes, yes actually. Yeah. Right. And well, that's, I will yeah, admit that's I when sold... opposing fans want to travel. They want to go to playoff games. So I'll, I'll have you know, since I'm not going to the game, um, I sold it to a friend who is a Packer fan whose dad sold his tickets and like, oh, we don't have tickets to the playoffs. Can we buy yours? I'm like, yeah, sure. That's- wow. <laughs> well, it will be a great game. And uh, I, I, you know, obviously. If if they win, I'm planning to go out for the NFC Championship game. I'll see you there because I might go with you. Yeah, definitely planning on that. Yeah, give me a call on that one. But um, Matt LaFleur actually said in one of his pressers this week, he said, please keep the tickets in Packers fans' hands. It's interesting how yeah, he does that. that. He's not the kind of guy, you know, this is a coach who's been very adamant. Please, fans, cheer really loudly when they have the ball, but please yeah. be quiet. when. He, <laughs> I was like, please don't sell your tickets to the opposing team. I don't think I've ever heard a coach kind of be that that 
kind of open with with the pans. It's just yeah, a conversation. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool. It's a new thing. Yeah, it's a new thing. All sure. he has to do is watch that that wild card game. No, divisional game in 2012 to see what happens when the opposing team takes over the bowl. He's he knows what's happened. Yeah, He's it's, I've been at a couple of those games and it's it's hard. It's we went, Rayhorn and I actually went to that that uh Giants game. Yeah, that's the one in 2011 to. season and man, it was full of it's full of blue. <laughs> full of blue in that game. It's really hard actually when I had your seats uh when we went to the Steelers game, Kelly. I was shocked at how many black jerseys there were in the stands. I mean, when the so Steelers was, always are known for yeah. that. I mean, the Steelers well, scored a touchdown and the cheering was almost as loud as when the Packers scored. It was crazy. Yeah. And I've noticed that against Vikings games, it's often, you know, at least a third to 40% is all purple there. And that's the downside. If you sell it back through the Packers, you know, what portal to sell their tickets is just whoever buys it. So hats off to the mayor of Green Bay, who um, really is protective of the tickets that he's kind of passing through to other people. Yeah, it is. A, it is a pity because yeah, it's really cool to have vendors like ticket King and seat geek and et cetera, that, that make these tickets available. But you know, 40 years ago you had your season tickets and you kept them or you sold them to a friend or you put an ad in the green Bay press Gazette <laughs> and you could yep. kind of pick who was going to buy your tickets. Right. Um, so you didn't see a lot of that now because it's really just an open market. I mean, face it, if we want to go to any Packer game on the road, we can get tickets, right? Of course. About 40 years, we, maybe we wouldn't have. Yeah. Cause no one would sell them to us. Yeah. When I lived in Michigan, uh, 20 some years ago, yeah, we always tried to go to the Packer game down at the silver dome, which is by the way, was the biggest dump on the planet. But this was right after the Packers won Super Bowl 31. So the, the Lions ticket office wised up. It's like, well, if you want to buy individual tickets, you're going to buy part of a season. And, and they ended up with like four t- four different games that I was trying to offload to everyone. Really right. want the tickets. I don't want to pay scalp prices. Luckily, since I was living in Michigan, I could find, usually find people to sell those stupid tickets to. All right. Well, that'll bring us to the end of the second quarter. 49ers coming to town. Is this a win-loss or push? I think everything's a push tonight. All right. It's a push. There's a push there. So we're oh oh and two, ladies. This and is all theoretical talk, so there's no <laughs> results here. So this is all house money. No one's going to lose today. Right. right. Let's move into the third quarter. We're going to talk a little bit about some of these matches and some of the things that may have us feeling confident and some of the things that may have us feeling a little worried. Probably me. The number one is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo versus Aaron Rodgers. That's you know probably one of the clearest advantages and maybe just that that feeling of being the last dance those intangibles the chip on the shoulder that rogers and Devonte and so many other players have seemed to take on hopefully that's an advantage over these 49ers but i'm just gonna say this right now hey joe and troy nobody needs to know and we all are really aware that the 49ers passed up aaron Rodgers in the draft you don't have to mention it this week really <laughs> oh sure <laughs> good think, luck you, with that. You think they may mention yeah, good that? Good luck. How, yeah, how many times is going to be the Right. You need to do an over under on that. Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to put the over at about five. I'm <laughs> sure there'll, there'll Aaron... be a, I'm sure there'll be a pregame thing on it showing Rogers sitting nope. in the green room, right? That's number yeah, one. Cr- crapping his pants with that little As they're doing the intro suit. to the game, you know, when, when Joe and Buck are sitting there and it's getting ready for kickoff, they'll probably mention it there. That's twice. And then you have during the game and halftime, and you know, yeah, I think five. I think five might be a little high. I'll go with four as the over/under. 
Yeah. And four will be a push. So Andrews will mention it once. <laughs> well, they all count. It doesn't matter who mentions it. Let's talk a little bit about some of the areas that are a little more worn. Uh, one, I believe, as you've already mentioned, Jersey Al, uh, they have a pretty strong run game. And, that they do. You know, minus Kingsley Kiki, not that we're relying on him to stop it. We've had some pretty, they've had some pretty r- big rushing games against the Packers in the last 10 years from Colin Kaepern- Kaepernick. Uh, uh, I remember that game. Then he run yeah, for like 374 yards. Going down one memory lane here. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. And who's the running back? Was that Raheem Mostert or is that? No, that was, the, that was the last game, the last NFC yes. championship. That was Mostert. Yes. 200 plus yards and God knows how many touchdowns. Yes. So for some reason, they seem to have our number in the rush game. Our defense has not exactly been stout as late, although they were very much so in the middle of the season. So I don't know what, how do you stop that without giving up too much in the past game? Kenny Clark (laughs) clone him. He's healthy. Clone him. But you also have Devondre Campbell as that next he tends to be where the action is. Um, we have a healthy defense, which is for the first time, I think we have our whole entire lineup now, well, minus Kiki, that we had in week one. And uh, hopefully it's better this time around. A little concerned about Zadarius Smith, uh, as strong as he is in the pass rush game, he does sometimes tend to be a little bit of a liability in the run game. So might be interesting now that we have Preston and Rashawn and Zedarius, how those guys might rotate a little bit situationally. Well, it's great to have that extra tool, right, in your tool <laughs> yeah. shed, right? So uh, <clears throat> you can rest guys, and like you said, but based on the, the down and distance and situation in the game, they can decide what they want to accomplish on defense on that particular play and put in the the players that they think are best suited for that. So a lot of little chess pieces they can use. So that's a, that's a good thing. Good problem but, to have. But it's absolutely imperative that they shut down the run early on because that forces an injured Garoppolo to throw. And that's always been the weakest part of the, I think, in my opinion, of their offense. Yeah. The thing with Garoppolo is he makes his mistakes when he's, when he's pressured, you know, when, when he's got to come out of the pocket, when he's facing a rush, when he has time to just sit back there, you know, he's, he's a, he can throw the ball. He's a decent quarterback. You know, that's not when he makes his mistake. So without a doubt, they've got to get after him and make him uncomfortable back there. And then good things will come from that. And, you know, Rashawn Gary has his number. What's his number again? I don't know. Okay. 12, 13, 14. I don't. I'm glad he has it. 15. Other, I think. Yeah. Um, Bosa's concussion, <clears throat> I believe, aside. The 49ers also have a defensive line that is back at full strength. And what's really interesting about them is that they don't blitz. This is a team that does not blitz. They rush four and they are effective with four. Uh, That's a huge, huge, huge thing for our offensive line. Yeah. And, you know, historically, what's been the best defense against Aaron Rodgers? teams that can get pressure with just rushing exactly. for, right? So so that's a big matchup there. The other thing that's interesting about them is <clears throat> they've got eight defensive linemen that they use. At some, you know, a couple of times I've seen them just bring in four new complete defensive linemen at the same time, you know, so they they throw a lot of bodies at you and they try to wear you down, wear those offensive linemen down. So it's kind of unique from that standpoint is how many snaps 
their bottom of the roster defensive linemen get, you know? And that said, it's really good that Bakhtiari is back. And so is Billy Turner, who's been a full participant in practice the past two days. Yeah, that's good news also. So we have our line back. <clears throat> so Garoppolo, when I was watching this game, speaking of him, I was kind of stunned to see that he was number one in the league, you know, at passing on those inside routes. Did you guys see that stat when they were talking about that? I didn't Before see it, but I am aware of it inside. now. Yeah, yeah, slants inside. Uh, he's actually the best quarterback in the league. Uh, for, I don't know if it was for winning percentage or percentage or quarterback rating, whatever it was, but he mm-hmm. he was the best at that. And I think Kelly hits on it exactly correctly. Devonta Campbell being back is really really critical for that middle of the field because we sure are seeing that without him, our defense looks very very much like the historical versions we've come to know and hate. And who would have thought we would have gotten an all pro first team, all pro first team, all pro that everyone else had just tossed out. And of course what the 49ers will, will do is, is try to run and try to suck Campbell in against the run and then throw those slants over the, try to throw those slants, you know, over the top of them. And, you know, that's, that's one reason I think why Garoppolo has been so successful is because of their run game. You know, that forces the linebackers to stay at home and not get in those lanes for those slant passes. So that's going to be an interesting little chess game there as well. So, so quite a bit. Gosh, it, it almost makes me nervous talking about this, guys, because they seem to match up really well <laughs> with the Packers. Oh, they do. That's not Don't be nervous. It's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. Uh, before we move on out of third quarter, Kelly, let's go to our injury report. All right. I feel like we should have music here. Do, 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 do. Kelly, take it this away. This just in. All right. Well, it was in earlier today, but hey, well, we so lie. this is our injury report. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So we'll start with Jair Alexander with his shoulder injury. He's been limited practice yesterday and today. Uh, David Bakhtiari did not practice yesterday, but had limited practice as well today. Devondre Campbell, with an elbow injury, was full practice this week as well. Aaron Jones, which, I, yeah, he's still nursing that knee injury, has been full practice. So he'll show up. Yep. I cannot believe we're still listing Aaron Rodgers and his stupid pinky toe as an injury. I thought this stupid thing was healed, but it's he's full practice. Whatever. <laughs> Sick of his toe. Billy Turner, with his knee injury, is full practice. Marquez Valdez Scantling was limited practice yesterday with a back injury, and he did not play today. No I would not. There. Well, we'll see what happens. And then finally, Mercedes Lewis has NIR, which we figured out what that means. Non-injured something. Rest day. Rest day. Okay. And didn't play today. But it's the other team that's got a bigger injury list. With San Francisco, you still have Nick Bosa going through the concussion protocol and has not been cleared yet. He did not practice. Let's see what he's like at the end of the week. Uh, Jordan Willis did not practice with an angel a- ankle injury. Aziz Al-Shair, a linebacker with a knee injury, had limited practice. Garoppolo with his right shoulder and right thumb injuries had limited practice. Drew Greenlaw, linebacker, had groin with limited practice. Marcel Harris, limited practice with an Achilles. Their safety, Talanoa Hafenga, was out with limited practice with a knee injury. Um, Elijah Mitchell, out with a knee injury, limited practice. Ambry Thomas, cornerback, or a cornerback uh, with a knee injury, limited practice, and Fred Warner, limited practice. So the only two variables I think would be Bosa, whether he gets cleared, and Jordan Willis. Those are the only two that did not practice uh, today. And by the way, NIR means non-injury related. Ah. 
N-I-R. Okay. N-I-R. I, thought you were saying I said M-I-R. N-I-R. Oh, I thought it was N-I-R. N-I-R. Yeah, you said it correctly. Oh, yeah. Just need to speak more. <clears throat> so, anyway, that is the end of the third quarter. Let's move into the fourth. And still a push, this, I guess, since it's pretty evenly matched. Everything's oh, a push. Oh and three. This one, I don't know. Backer's Twitter is always a swell of interesting opinions. Obviously, we do a poor job sometimes of always treating each other properly. Confidence is high amongst Packers fans until we saw we got the 49ers on the docket. Watching the Dallas fans melt down, if you've seen some of the videos, two guys get into a fight with their pants getting pulled down in the in there, and then, what? of course, all this. You didn't see that? Oh. Wow, it was halfway down his butt. Anyway, you know, the fans throwing stuff at the referees and, and as they're coming off the field and Dak Prescott saying, yeah, good for them. It, it's a little bit of a cautionary tale because I think the Cowboys really expected this to be their year, which they do every year. But we are expecting an awful lot, too. And wow, you're seeing it play out a little bit amongst fans, this optimism of, you know, we're coming here and uh, it's Lambeau Field and it's the Green Bay Packers and we don't fear anybody and we can't fear anybody. And people saying, well, yeah, but those matchups are a little interesting. What are you guys seeing as you kind of feel this vibe kind of going on this week from Packers fans? Go ahead, Kelly. It's the combination of the expected swagger that you would expect of Packers Twitter and just the irrational anxiety because we've been here and have screwed it up in the past. So I'm not surprised by the behavior this week on social media because if Packer fans are good at anything, it's overreacting in either direction. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> this was all to be expected. It's It happens every week uh, during the season. It's just magnified now with the playoffs. And then you have the the kicker of the you know the 49ers being the team that Rodgers hasn't beat and coming back and playing them again. And so you've got the history aspect too, which makes people more nervous because some people believe history will affect what happens today, which that makes no really, sense. Or it doesn't really work that way in the NFL and pretty much. Most of life, anyway. <laughs> yeah, there but are people no believe curses. that. They're like, oh no, we can't, we can't beat the 49ers. We just can't. Well, we used to say that about the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s, and then 96 rolled around, and it was so satisfying that we finally shut Deion Sanders up. Yeah. <clears throat> and of course, it always ends up going into the "who's a better fan" theory. Uh, you know, if someone says, <laughs> oh, "I'm a little nervous," someone, like, "You're not a good fan, not a true fan." If you're a true fan. You have complete and utter confidence, and it's like, hey. And then the other side will say, hey, you're just, uh, you just have green-colored glasses on, you know, <laughs> goggles, green-colored Packer goggles on. You think everything's great. And, and you know, that's the age-old argument that we've seen for years and years between, like you said, the two factions of Packers fans. Yeah. And there is a small middle-of-the-road group that some of us uh, belong to, you know. But we're not the vocal ones, usually. <laughs> no, well, sometimes. So let's let's think the unthinkable right here. We're going to Uh-oh. assume we're going to assume oh. the Packers win. Where's he going with this? Um, you can see it in the script. I'm nervous. Anyway, <laughs> I'm still nervous. What are you? Thinking where are you going? The unthinkable. I mean, what do you mean unthinkable? Of course, now you're saying they're going to lose. Fight words, Angeli. Well, it's unthinkable. You're Therefore, not a good fan. I'm not saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you look at it and you think about the expectations. I mean, going back to 2011, right? The Packers are coming off a Super Bowl win. 
They won 15 games in that season. There is a sense of entitlement, like, man, we are going back to the Super Bowl and we're going to win two in a row. I mean, we all thought that. We all believed. Well, there were that, many reasons that, not to, but exactly. go ahead. Um, but there was, you know, ever since I they had that I still can't loss, believe Eli Manning has the same amount of Super Bowl rings. I know. Oh, he's got more. He's got yeah, more. That's right, twice. <laughs> Favre and Rodgers combined. Yeah. But ever since that loss to the Chiefs, there was this thing that was kind of creeping up on us. Like, maybe we're not that good. What What? what if we're not that good? What? Oh, well, we got a couple more wins. Okay, yeah, we're, we're back on the winning track. And then all of a sudden, boom. Such a level of disappointment. You think about these disappointments we've had. 2014, you know, with the run the table. 2016, you know, that was the year, boy, that was the year we should have won, right? And then even the last two seasons, maybe not two years as much, but yeah, last year against the Bucks. Yeah. yeah we've had they should have so been many, there. So many should have been, and now we've built up this season as the last dance. If we lose tomorrow, how does that rank with some of these other disappointments post 2010? What's going to happen to Packard? I mean, what are we going to do? It depends. (laughs) What are we going to do? It depends (laughs) to me, probably not to to a bunch of Packer fans. It depends how the loss happens. You know, uh, I don't think anything for me personally can match the 2014 Seattle debacle. I don't think, I don't think they could possibly replicate that even if they tried to replicate all the things that went wrong in that game and they did to blow that game. So for me, that's always still going to be number one and where this one would rank would, would really depend on, on how it all went down. The problem is, in so many of those losses, the Giants on 11, 2016, past couple years, it's like there's a certain number of games you got to play, and they show up for all the games except one. I mean, 2014 was the exception. The the game against Seattle was close. It went to overtime, right? I mean, we had them shut out whatever it was, 17 to nothing, and then they came back. So it was still a close game. And I I refuse to blame um, Brandon Bostic for it. I think no. they this was a really well they blew it five other Brad, ways before that. Brad so Jones was a bigger liability in that game because they they exploited him on that fake play because they knew he would take take the bait. Okay. All kinds of things happened. Right. So, but, so but where, does, you look at, where would this you look one at rank? Where would this one rank with all these other games? All these other losses and disappointing seasons, all these woulda, coulda, shouldas. I'm gonna go, and this is probably because I'm just an old fart, but I'm gonna go back to if you win, it's going to feel like 96 and the Mud Bowl. If you lose, it's going to feel like the NFC Championship game in 95 against the Cowboys, which was just one of those perfect teams that could have run the table but just didn't get over the finish line. Because you look at last year and the year before that, they were good, but they were still shaky on defense. It wasn't a complete package. This year, it seems like we have a team that is – Stacked both on offense and defense. They're really, again, unfortunately, the one Achilles heel special teams. But it seems like it's a more complete team compared to the past two years. So it would remind me more of that mid-90s, you know, making a run for the Super Bowl against their arch rivals. Because let's face it, Rodgers has to get over this monkey on his back that's the 49ers, and everybody wants to just shut Tom Brady and Bill Belichick up. Here's the difference to me, and you're going to be really surprised by this answer. Ted Thompson. Go on. When we won the Super Bowl in 2010, Ted Thompson was a hero. When we lost in 2011, we still had Ted, right? And we knew he's constantly 
extending the guys he needs to, letting people go, drafting to replace people a year or two from now. It was that whole theory that Ted had is that, you know, we're always going to be in it. We're always going to be perennial contenders. And if you think about it, it's true. I mean, we lost in 2011. We were back really, you know, championship game 2014. Lost in 2014. Guess what happened? We were back again in 2016. Even with Trader Ted, we were still back, you know, after he was gone and Matt LaFleur and all that stuff. We still got back. We still had enough talent on the team. But the difference is now this is no longer a team that's so responsible with that extra $10 million at the end of every season on the salary cap to extend players and push money you know, from this year's salary into next year's contract. This is a team that is built very likely to be broken up next year. So we don't know what's going to happen. Whereas before we kind of knew, yeah, we're still going to be in it. Yeah, maybe we need to reload it for a year or two. Mm-hmm. There's the idea right now that this really could be it for a so, while. So yeah, it's the last dance. They're even as a team acknowledging they're all not going to be there next. Yeah, I mean it's got that all or nothing feel to it, right? We're going all in, roll the dice, and see what happens. And if and we I, bust, we bust. And honestly, if Rogers wins, I could see him retiring. He's going to be like Elway. He's going to go out on top and uh, ride off into the sunset. I don't think he'll. I, at that point, with the second ring, I don't think he'll pursue another team. He'll be done. It's a possibility. Hard to say mm-hmm. what that complicated fella is thinking. After all, he is just a beautiful mystery. What? What? <laughs> that may not have been the adjective I chose, but okay, go on. <laughs> all right. So, well, that'll take us to the end of the fourth quarter. We're going to call this a push as well. So, our final uh, score is. Zero wins, zero losses, and four pushes. What a great day. <clears throat> Let's move on to our game predictions. Cheesehead Radio. Packer game predictions. Before we get to the Packer predictions, we got three other games. Let's see how we all pick those. First of all, the Bengals. Very exciting uh, game that they're playing. Exciting young team. Uh, great young quarterback. Going against the Titans. Also coming off the bye week. Uh, the Titans are three and a half point favorites at home. Jersey Al, who's going to win this one? Uh, I am so bad at picking games versus the point spread. I mean, you don't have just, no. We're not picking versus the point spread. You just uh, have cause, to pick because you had the point spread there, so that's what I, I thought you were doing. I just put it in there to say who's actually just to confuse me and think we were talking about yeah, the point. Yeah, this it's, just tell, spread. it's just who's going to win. Who's going to win? Vegas, right, that's better. Vegas has no respect for the Titans. That's better. I'm going with the Titans mostly because. In my Super Bowl prediction pool that I'm in, I picked Packers-Titans as the Super Bowl team. So I'm going to stick with that. Interesting. rolling with the Titans. All right. I am also going to take the uh, Titans. I, As much as I like the Bengals and I'm excited for them, I don't think they've got what it takes quite yet. But give them a couple of years, I think they'll be there. Yeah, good point, CD. I'm also going to go with the Titans. And I think it was Mike Freeman of USA Today that mentioned it today that as we're talking about the playoffs – Everybody seems to forget about how good the Titans are because you're hearing what the you're hearing about the Chiefs and that great big game with the Raiders and how it should have been a tie and quietly along the way the Titans have been preparing to to play with all this other drama around them. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Titans. All right. The next game of course is the Rams at the Bucks. Bucks are the number 2 seed, so obviously if they win they're coming back to Lambeau Field. Rams are the only ones who have a chance hopefully to knock them off. Jersey Al, what do you say? Well, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay on this one. It, it's just hard for me 
to bet against Tom Brady. I mean, the, the Rams, you know, they they totally destroyed Kyler Murray, who obviously was not ready for playoff prime time. Needless to say, Tom Brady is ready for playoff prime time. Um, it's hard for me to bet against them in this matchup, so I'm going to stick as much as I hate to do it, stick with the Bucks. And I don't have to like doing it, and I'm just going to have to kind of close my eyes, grip my teeth, and do it, but I also think Tampa Bay is going to win this one. Well, I'm going to manifest something different just because out of spite, I don't want Brady to win. So I'm going to pick the Rams because I would love to see Matthew Stafford in the NFC championship game because I think we can beat him. All right. So Kelly having a difference here finally on the rest of us who've picked pretty much alike otherwise. Final game, those crazy Buffalo Bills taking on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And, man, that's going to be a great game to watch. By the way, the Bucks are three-point favorites, and the Chiefs are only two-and-a-half-point favorites at home, which means uh, that's yeah, that's pretty much an even matchup, isn't it? Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Al, who do you got on this one? Uh, I'm going with the Chiefs on this one. And the reason is, you know, the, the Bills are everybody's darling now of – but it was just one game, okay? It was one game. I've got to see more than that. You've seen other teams blow out teams one week and then come nowhere close to that the next week. So I'm not a believer yet. I don't think it'll be – I'm sorry. I do think it'll be a very close game, and I do think that the Bills could possibly win it. But I think that the Chiefs, in the end, their playoff experience will help them, and they will prevail, and they will win a tight one. So I'm going with KC. All right, and I already said at the top of the show how much I like the Bills. I think it's hard to pick against the, I guess, the playoff experience of the Chiefs because they've done it before. They've been there before. The Bills have struggled to get there. I just think this is going to be the year they're at least going to get through this round, so I'm going to take the Bills. Uh, The Bills are a really wonderful Cinderella team, so I'm going to pick the Bills as well, Um, mainly because the Chiefs, while quite good, have been so up and down this year. So, yeah, Bills. Yeah, they've definitely struggled. Definitely struggle the Chiefs have. So I'm the only one that picked the winner there. Okay. Got Correct. It. <laughs> so you if you think you about it, we've all predicted differently. So Al's got the Titans, Bucks, and Chiefs. Uh, I have the Titans, Bucks, and Bills. And Kelly has the Titans, Rams, and Bills. So, so nobody believed in the Bengals enough, basically. <laughs> and yeah. I really like them, and I want to So do them. I. So do I. But I just, they're not ready. I, yeah. I, I would have picked the Bengals if not for my Titans Super Bowl pick that I have to stick with. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I give I them a chance. One bit if the Bengals pull off that up. Yeah, I, I give them a chance. All right. And finally, the Green Bay Packers host the San Francisco 49ers at Lambeau Field in a Saturday night matchup. Oh, is that going to be awesome? It really doesn't get much better than this. The Packers have a five and a half point advantage, uh, favored by five and a half, the biggest uh, spread of any of the games. But there's that little voice in the back of her head that suggests the 49ers might have the Packers. Stop it. How do we see this one turning out? Jersey Al, as always, we'll start with you. Okay. The Packers are a very good football team. The 49ers are very good and currently playing better than their record would indicate. The Packers have Aaron Rodgers. And the 49ers, well, they don't. Ultimately... This has to be the difference maker for the Packers because otherwise, I really feel these teams are fairly equal in talent. The last time these teams met in the playoffs, a game we all want to forget as Packers fans, Jimmy G threw a total of eight passes and they steamrolled the Packers on the ground. 
Expect the, the 49ers to try a similar approach, but this Packers defense is capable of keeping the 49ers run game from being a deciding factor. If they do that, and Rodgers is Rodgers, we'll be celebrating a 27-20 to 20 Packers win. Voice of faith in the Packers. There you go. Well, you can color me the guy who has some doubts. Not whether or not the Packers are the better team. They are. Or whether the home field should be an advantage. It is. But whether the Packers are just going to have another playoff game where they just play uninspired ball against a highly inspired opponent. You got to win three games to win the Super Bowl. But it all starts right here against the 49ers. The next 60 minutes, and then 20 minutes, and then 180 minutes, are probably going to be the most exhilarating and the most anxious moments of football viewing for Packers fans in a long, long time. Cherish every play, everybody. Packers 27, 49ers 26. Ooh, a squeaker. Hey, I think this really is the Packers. This has been an Achilles heel matchup since Colin Kaepernick was at the helm, but I think the the Packers will finally prevail. The Avengers have proverbially been assembled, and the defense is finally complete for the first time since the first week of the season. Rodgers is clearly a man on a mission, and if this really is the last dance, wouldn't it be fitting that he finally slayed the Niners' playoff demon once and for all? No Kaepernick this year. No Ric Flair yet crowing about them either. This is the year I think they finally do it. Like Roger said, there's something to be said about heading into the iconic Lambeau field and you're facing the effing Green Bay Packers. I'm predicting a win. Packers 31, San Francisco 27. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Cheesehead Radio as we head to the playoffs in our 12th season. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com where you can listen to several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalkNet on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers Talk podcasts can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the pod, show us some love and leave us a review. You can also find us on Siri, Alexa, or Google just by saying, Play Packers Talk Podcast. It's the playoff, boys. That's a wrap. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. We'll be back next week. Oh, Saturday night's going to be awesome. I'm watching the game with John Rahor. Oh. Is that awesome? Nice. Is he a good luck charm? He hasn't been so far. No, he has not. not. (laughs) Thank thank you. Thanks for that. (laughs) No problem. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Go Pack. about the terrorist cat that you have is that gonna like pounce on your head no he i'm in the kitchen there's no balcony (laughs) over the kitchen he is a terrorist oh my god oh yeah the one that hangs up on top of the loft or whatever it is the beams yeah we have the beams because we have a log home by the way don't get a log home they're a complete pain in the ass so we have beams over our bed too and the big dog was laying on her bed about two weeks ago all of a sudden here thump hiss <laughs> he, this this cat like a 300 percent premeditated aerial assault just dropped down from above and tried to kill the dog crazy cat uh...